0: everybody welcome to the Vox podcast Bonnie and Tim are here with a very special guest Bonnie will you introduce our guest for today
1: yes yes of course hi everybody I'm so glad to be back thank you so much for your kindness and your responses from last week's episode Um, we want you to know we're walking with you and you aren't alone and because of that it was our joy and honor to bring in my good friend um Elise Snipes and Elise is a therapist and she is absolutely amazing she's transformed my life and so she's here with us today and we have a special episode and I'm super excited but Elise, why don't you expand on who you are and what you do
2: Thank you guys for having me for one I'm just I'm I'm honored to get to be here. Um, Even in the context of this conversation, this setting, it is, it's, yeah, it is, it's an honor to get to be in this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. uh, So professionally, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And ultimately the way that I like to think about the work that I get to do is I get to kind of just be a safe place for people. So whatever and however the work of their specific story, whatever they're facing, then I, my hope is is to be able to be a safe container and provide some clarity and opportunity for people to have a more efficient way out of that pain and into mm. just, uh, oh, like, can we look at it differently and yeah. that perspective yeah. shift that might allow us I don't know, the grace that we need to face, to face our story. So,
1: yeah. That is so good. And if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Mm-hmm. You, so elisesnipes.com easy peasy. (laughs) And then I'm also the
2: founder of Radical Wellness Collaborative. And we are like a holistic wellness group and we're online. So if people are looking for resources to meet with spiritual directors, (laughs) namely Bonnie, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, therapists, Enneagram coach, all of that online, that's radicalwellness.co. Awesome. Awesome. It is.
1: It's such a delight to work with you. And listeners, we just like, one thing that hit Tim and I super hard was that we were Listening to all the feedback we got from the episode and in our conversations coming up to the episode is one of the reasons we wanted to bring Elise in. Is, um, we've never been a part of a church that this has been done well. It feels like there's like heavy bombs that are dropped or topics that are dropped, and then there isn't resources, uh, for people in the congregation or even in just like the lives or the, um, you know, who, who's ever surrounding that community to sort of walk through their own pain. And one thing that was so important to us is that we are so aware that this last episode hit everybody differently, that everybody involved, there's a seat, there's an empty chair in the room for all of us, that there's something that that story, Mike's story brought up in us. And it's sometimes not even necessarily because of Mike. But as a reflection of our own stories, of our own yeah. trauma, of our own journeys. And so we really are excited for Elise to be here because she's going to walk through some of that um, with Tim and I. Because we are just like you. And the news hit us in ways that it hit you. And it's different and same. But we're really hoping that this... Um, Allows you to find your own story in the middle of this, um, and then pointing towards resources so that you too, like Elise was saying, can kind of find resources to reframe, mm-hmm. reframe some of that pain.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that it was important for us while we were talking about all the different ways that um, we could approach the Vox community uh, over the last couple of weeks, and um, you know, we wanted to give everybody space and time to kind of sit with last week's news, and then. And then, like Bonnie said, create a space here that we can kind of um, fumble around together and, and try to find truths and roots for ourselves. And um, I think, to a large extent, we're all kind of... And I don't want to speak for Elise because she's a professional, but we're kind of running in the dark a little bit. So yeah. we're trying to be as intentional as we can be with um, with Mike, obviously, but also with you know with everyone that's listening right now. We want to create a place for you guys to all have um, the safety to have open conversations. And, um, you know, like Bonnie said, we've gotten a lot of feedback and a lot of interaction over the last week that has been great. Um, I mean, some of it hard, but great. So Mm -hmm. we just really wanted to be intentional and create space for all that stuff. So that's our our intent today.
1: So, Elise, we are ready. I just (laughs) left. I just left therapy, and then I thought – I'm so glad I get to come to more. <laughs> I love therapy and it's, I'm a huge proponent of it.
2: But It's progressive in and of itself because a lot of the times the relationship with the church and therapy have been sometimes oppositional. And so it yeah. w- it struck me. It's like, whoa, like this group of people in their desire for transparency and healing is reaching out to a group of people that are trained to help in both transparency and healing. So it's yeah. a beautiful <laughs> <laughs> combination and I'm glad that there's that, I don't know, the, the awareness that it's not in contradiction. We're not therapists are not in contradiction to God or the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good. Okay. Okay, so how how do you want to start? Do you want to take yeah. us through something? What's your goal? I'm so excited. You guys, I can't tell you what a gift Elise <laughs> is. I'm like so stoked about this. <laughs>
2: This, this is like cla- that's also like classic bonnie right where it's like oh great like big emotions and messy things and we're just gonna go in there right <laughs> that feels right <laughs> yeah. yeah so so okay i'm gonna draw upon your empty the empty chair the empty seats in the room for a moment and acknowledge that there are going to be the bonnies right if they're listening so for like the listening audience there are gonna be people that are like tell me like tell me lead me let's do this like gloves off like let's do, let's get in the mess and then mm-hmm. there are gonna be a seat that's like I don't want to say anything. I'm just going to sit here and observe because I'm not really sure. Um, mm. There are going to be seats of people that are gravely disappointed and are totally closed off to, to all of this and are only listening um, because they're mad. Mm. Right. And then there are going to be yeah. people that are, that are going to be like, Oh my gosh, what are they going to say? Cause this is my story too. Like I've, yeah.
3: I've,
2: I've been there. I've done that. Or this has been done to me. I've been on, I've been on the receiving end of, of this experience. So, mm. And that's just some of the chairs. So however people are coming into this conversation, I think it is essential that we start with there's space and room for every single one of your experience and to know that even in the course of this conversation, you might find yourself shifting seats and you mm-hmm. might be eager and then resentful and then interested and then thankful and then relieved and then upset again. We, yeah. we just, permission to shift. Mm,
3: yeah.
0: So.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a great word, too, I think, to kind of lay out at the beginning here is just permission, and we've kind of echoed that throughout Vox in mm-hmm. a, a myriad of different ways, um, giving people permission to be wherever they are and to be mm-hmm. honest with wherever they are. So kind of as we launch into this, I think that's a great word, a great idea, is that, you know, give yourself permission to kind of to to shift those seats and to kind of bounce around and mm-hmm. be honest mm-hmm. with how you're feeling what you're thinking etc.
1: Yeah, and permission what hit me there at least was permission to find my own story. Um I think for me when over the past month when all of this was going on there were some things that hit me that weren't directly related related to the situation
3: mm-hmm. like
1: we're talking about um but I almost felt like I was being selfish to find myself in the story if that made sense so oh. I didn't want to go through it um, (laughs) inside myself because I'm like, it's not about you. It's not about whatever. Um, But once I like that permission to go, no, that's actually what, that's why we tell our stories. That's why we're transparent is because everything should be about everything and everyone about everyone. And so there's, we should always be able to find a point, a point of connection there.
2: Yes. You're actually, so it's human, right? That we we put ourselves in the story we are Mm -hmm. a character in the storyline and so we we do we will read ourselves into other people's experience now we're gonna we'll do something together that i hope that people that are listening might engage this is an activity or experiential thing as well but it's important that as we do that that we also have the clarity to untangle our story from the story so that not everything is about us but that some right. parts of it are and that we could listen to that as an invitation to our own work and to our own mm-hmm. stories that still hurt or feel shocked or whatever that yeah. actual you know emotion is
1: yeah yeah should we do it should we just go for it yeah. yes let's, let's do, do it. it i'm so okay. ready okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get in that seat, Bonnie. I am. You guys You're didn't see it. it. I just sat up straighter. I, yeah, I'm Bonnie's ready.
0: Like, I'm going to move to the seat behind you.
2: That's... Yeah. Bonnie. Bonnie's in the splash zone. Yeah, yeah.
1: My hair will cover your face, Tim. It's fine. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs>
2: Okay, so this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna lead you through a little bit of a, of a thing, okay? And the point of this thing is that it's a construct and a way for us to be able to see the different streams or threads of the story, and then to be able to untangle them so we can proceed with with clarity and wisdom. And it's something. It's a thing that you can use as a construct in other ways to untangle your story from other situations. It just happens today that this is the one that we're gonna be untangling from. So. Okay. When I listened to last week's episode, what emerged? What this was my response to last week's episode. Um, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. One, we're gonna hold uh, the fact that Mike's story is is the was the theme of last week's episode. What Mike brought to the table, Mike's experiences, the language that he used, his pain, um, how he held that pain, what he what he did with that pain from learned behavior, how he how he chose but also there was really no choice but to hide you know there's a, there's a lot of things going on with with Mike and Mike's story and the stream of of Mike and then as listeners including all of us here and then everyone who's listening there came then my story right mm. which is how I heard what Mike said based on my experience as human so we have two threads Mike mine, okay? And then this other bigger collective story. What does this also say about the collective story of Christianity? About my experience, again, in church in 2020, in Christianity Mm -hmm. in this time, and what I believe about God, about men, about women, about whatever. So, there's this bigger story at play, okay? Mm -hmm. So, I want you to just maybe even scan through and we think about what Mike presented. I want you to just to note or notice what, if we can even go back, was the immediate like gut response. Like what's the the first time you heard or you're, you're hearing Mike share? What comes up in, in your body, in a memory, in a feeling, in a, in a judgment? And you don't have to say it out loud, but I want you just to notice it.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: The point of the construct here is to allow ev- allow everything room, so it might all come forward. Okay, and then to hold it. Now, what we tend to do is we want this to be like a hot potato. So we're like, oh God, like, oh here's this thing, and now I see that, and I don't like it, and so I want to throw it. And mm-hmm. our hope is that we could hold that a little longer until it cools. So if what immediately comes up is Anger, disappointment, curiosity, (laughs) judgment, numb. Mm. And then the next question might be what else is this about? So, where is this touching my own story? That was that second thread that we're talking about. What else is this about? And you could scan through again your life back to zero. What else is this about? Hmm. When else has this same feeling lifted from my gut up into my throat? When else have I felt surprised, let down, sad? And again, hold and just making room for the other parts of your story that need to emerge. And we're going to allow that to be the separate second stream. And then this third piece. What does this say about the larger collective story of God and my experience in the community? How is this confirming what I believe? Confirming what I'm afraid of? Exposing? Where's the injury when I think about the larger collective story? And again, the invitation is just to notice and to allow these memories and parts to come forward. And if you wanted to imagine these are these three separate containers or piles, right? And as we separate out what belongs to what Mike shared, that's just Mike's.
3: Mm.
2: And hopefully in this process you can start to see that what Mike shared didn't actually have anything to do with your dad or mm. your your pastor from that other church or your third grade teacher or the other thing whatever emerged in your story whatever pain point came in your story that belongs mm. in that other container
3: mm.
2: and then maybe even in that third piece that previous injury or pain or fear that stacks in in my collective story of God that that is pain, is real has happened and yet also not because of Mike we want there to be three separate streams so that we can respond with clarity and with the necessary action that each one of those three streams asks of us So here's what I would encourage if people want to take this further would be to write what's in each of those containers and then to ask and note what is the invitation to healing?
3: Mm.
2: How can, what does Mike's story invite and invoke in me and what needs to be healed there? Mm. And then in my story, because it touched for a reason, whatever it stirred, whatever came to mind, is unfinished or it wouldn't have come up. So then that middle stream, what still needs to be healed, cared for, said out loud, acknowledged, known, repaired. And then in that third stream as well, that we could look at the larger collective, bigger story of community that says, this needs, there needs to be a voice here. This needs to be figured out. We need to do better. What's in this third piece? Mm. And when we separate and gain awareness, there tends to be also a sense of like, oh, compassionate action. Because we might actually also see that there's, there's been a lot of needless pain that has set a lot of different things in motion here. So I'm going to summarize that with we, we hold the story. We allow that to go to three separate spaces. We hold and make room for what comes up. And we pay attention to what is required from each space. And we allow every part of our story to come forward present, but yet untangled, so that way we're not responding to one thing with the power of three streams, because mm. then it's so big and messy that we're like, oh, this is everything, but it's not everything,
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm, That was so helpful.
2: (sighs) This is hard because this is hard to
1: uh, separate them. It all feels so, um, it feels intertwined. Mm hmm. Um, And it also, but like once you separate it out, there's in between there, like so much room for grace Mm. is what I'm feeling. Mm. Um, And I didn't expect to feel that. (laughs) Now I'm like, no, no, let's not. Let's stop (laughs) the opposite (laughs) now. (laughs) Um, Oh, that was really helpful.
2: Bonnie, you actually touched on something that's crucial is that it does all things feel the same because yeah. it's touching Like it's like the same feeling button is being activated physiologically within you which is why they feel connected and why mm. it's helpful for us to pull it apart so that we can take care of each one of them respectively
1: yeah yeah.
0: Mm. it's like a Russian packing doll
1: <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> just
0: pulling out a littler, just one, a littler one and then a littler one getting down to the middle <laughs> nugget there you are
1: and then at the end you're like look at that tiny little (laughs) 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 cause such a spark oh no that was so good you know um like tim i think you and i talked like i'm prepared to actually share what my containers were because i think i do believe this is probably many people's containers Mm -hmm. yeah um so i'll just go first and we can just see where it takes us if that's okay with you too
0: yeah do it
1: so my first one, the gut reaction that came up was, um, was betrayal. And that's a funny reaction, I think, for myself to have. Um, because when I really think about it, he didn't betray me. Um, but I think that um, the feeling of... Um, on all fronts that like something's going on with somebody that you don't know. Um, I, and they're your friend that, that, that's hard for me to, um, accept, I guess. Um, and I don't think that says anything about Mike. Actually, it says something about me and my desire to, um, like I want to be a certain type of friend. Mm-hmm. That I want people to tell me everything or like, so I, I take that as a criticism to me that I wasn't um, X, Y, and Z enough mm-hmm. that he didn't feel like he didn't have to be in hiding around me, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Um, the second container of mine is, um, and this one actually was a little harder for me to untangle. Isolate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, I grew up mostly in ministry around Mike. I'd worked at many different churches with or alongside him. And um, the message, and not from Mike, but from anybody that is set up to surround, mm-hmm. excuse me, or protect the mm-hmm. pastor, yeah. um the story has always been, like even if I'm on staff or even if I'm an intern or whatever, like you can't go in a room alone with that person because you will cause them... To stumble and um or to sin or to whatever it is. And hearing that from age eighteen till forever, till now. Till now. Um <laughs> till tomorrow. Till yeah. Mm-hmm. In ten years. But the story there is that there's something wrong with me. Right. That that um I would be to blame. And that um there is shame that should be associated with me being a woman and that I also I can't trust myself like if I'm literally walking in the room to ask a question I should be aware that I have a secret motive even even when I don't so the feeling of anger there is present for me um because um maybe it wasn't me yeah maybe it wasn't me and it wasn't necessarily Mike but maybe it's not the women like if we're separating this from Mike like maybe it's not always the women right like why does why is the narrative always it'll be you that causes him to stumble hmm. versus like this idea that like hey we're in this together and we're trusting each other and we're adults and like I don't know it just um the blame being placed on the woman that that rises anger in me and then my third container um is that I just see a Broken system, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Again and again and again. Um, I know that our podcast is not a church, but it operates similarly to a large mega church. And every mega church I've been a part of, the path the pastor is suffering, yeah. and no. um, th- ever it all of a sudden something happens, and it's like this has been happening for years. And I never had anyone. It, it it's the same storyline, yes. and so I see this broken system, and I that make the the feeling that comes up there is just like a deep sadness. Mm-hmm. Right, but like we, right. Just, we we have to do better. There has to yes. be a better way.
2: Yes. So let's when you're when I hear that there's a sense of like okay now when you spaced those out and put those in those three containers then you're able to uh, see Mike. Mm-hmm. Share mutual responsibility as humans between genders. Okay? Yep, mm-hmm. and be a part of solution for a system that is desperately begging for it to be different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yep. You can. You can then put back into that construct. In my feeling now, also in solution, in a sense, what is required of me in response. Right. Yeah. Tim, do you want to talk about your containers?
0: Yeah, I'm try I'll try to make sure that I did them correctly. Um, I always have the problem on this podcast of listening to everybody else and then not <laughs> and then forgetting that there's a microphone <laughs> in front of my face. So I love that. I'm just like I'm listener number 1. <laughs>
1: um,
0: there is I no right the, way. <laughs> yeah, I put in the first one disappointment, but Um it was disappointment but it was also then i go i went right into like buckle down business mode like mm. i locked right in with like okay th- this is the first step that needs to happen with um you know helping mike this is the first step that needs to happen with what's happening with the listeners here and and how we like i just locked right into like process yeah i guess yeah. and i don't know what that what that at least would that be means. like
1: a hot potato moment completely
0: <laughs> even yeah. if
1: you went into yeah. something productive completely.
2: well yeah. you, that's why it's so subtle and why we also celebrate the people that are these solvers right mm. it, and then we haven't made room for like so for, yeah my invitation for sure for tim would be to circle back and let's sit with that disappointment
1: right. and
2: what else that gives birth to beyond that disappointment what else hurts there mm-hmm. um because yes of course solution but That was your initial go around the cycle. I'm disappointed and now I need to make sure everyone else is okay. So let me just see where we're at. And Mm. in in an exercise like this, because it's like postpartum, you know, if you will, or (laughs) postmortem, there's this sense of, well, now you can, if you wanted to go back and attach to that original sense of disappointment and go back into that emotion, because right now you don't have to care for, solve, fix, protect, and make sure everyone else is okay. Now this is just about Tim.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know if I understood the second container, so I'll just tell you what I said, and then you tell me if I mm-hmm. if I did it right. Um, I, I put down failure, inadequacy, separation, um, like the the sh- oh shame or separation, and then that is so is I it's identifying with. Feeling what Mike was feeling when he was sharing with us and, and <laughs> feeling those those things in myself. So maybe this was me circling back the disappointment, mm-hmm, but the disappointment mm-hmm. turned directly into myself and then um, feeling mm. like this is, I deserve that. Mm. I deserve the shame. I deserve the separation. I deserve to be the leper that's put outside of the community. Like kind of feeling the filth and the yeah. heaviness of my own sins that I struggle with and just yeah. kind of feeling that, you know, kind of a heavy wet blanket and being like, Mm-hmm. this is who I am. This is mm-hmm. what I deserve. This is, um, yeah, and that I think that I deserve that. Like mm. Mike and I would always go back and forth with uh, having the conversation of being the biggest sinner in the room and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. annoying that is as a posture. Cause it's kind of just like a, a rhetorical thing that we kind of say, sure. but that Mike and I would always go back and forth. Like, no, 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 no. I actually think that I am. Like I walk into the room and I'm like, you guys have no idea how terrible of a person that I am and the, and the guilt and shame that I carry for a lifetime of being the worst sinner in the room so I think that part of that for me is coming back to that and being like uh if I if there is shame if there is separation or inadequacy or that kind of stuff I deserve that mm-hmm. those are the byproducts of the things that I've done or thought or said right so
2: right let's hold for a second Tim I think that that's you can see almost why if you felt disappointment and this is what was underneath it. Cause I think you're right. Like what does Mike's story have to do with me? And then boom, big heavy feelings and, and shame are here that you can see why you would want to go so quick into a solution. Right. Where it's like, right. well, I'm for sure <laughs> it's not not going to sit with yeah. that. Therefore, right. um, how's everyone else doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. By the way. Beautiful.
0: And I think my third one, um, and we talked about this a little bit when we <laughs> spoke before, but you know, my, uh, my track history with the church has been um, almost every church I've been a part of, the man has had to step down, the, the head pastor has had to step down for infidelity. And, and I'm not saying that this is the case with Mike, but that has been my case with the churches it, all growing up all the way through my adult life. And so I'm just the church is just I have such a love hate relationship. I see the, I see the initial push, uh, you know, in Acts and in, in the way that Jesus kind of pulled people together, and I see the initiative and what it was meant to be, and and then why we're being so intentional with what we're doing here, mm-hmm. and then just not seeing that in the church and being so frustrated and feeling like the church mm-hmm. has been so off track, or I am, mm-hmm. there, but there's Ooh. something in conflict there. You, know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel like we're playing the same game (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Like we might might be in or at least in different leagues, but so that's been very frustrating. Um, And I think that, you know, and then, and then that kind of links back to the last Tupperware container of like feeling like I deserve to be on the outside or deserve to be separated is maybe because I just don't, I just don't see, I don't see a seat in there anymore. I guess if that makes sense,
2: it does make sense. Yep, yeah. and you can see what the like what shame says is you deserve this. You should mm-hmm. be alone. It, shame is so isolating. It's one of the yeah. easiest ways for us to identify is the shame um, versus conviction. Right? Is mm-hmm. I'm bad. I deserve this, and I should be alone. Mm. Yep. Versus <laughs> I need to tell somebody. I need people to come around me. I need Jesus in this pit. Come, come mm. back to the front. Acknowledge what's going on and get that community. Like that, there's a difference between shame and conviction.
1: Yeah, yeah. I find it so interesting, Tim and Elise. Like, what does this mean? <laughs> That's gonna be my question from now on. Excellent. Uh, is that like, um, like especially in that last container, right? Like Tim yeah. and I are both saying this broken yeah. system, whatever. Um, and Tim's. Where Tim's going is, I deserve to be on the outside of it. There's not a seat for me there. Uh, I deserve isolation. Whereas my bent would be, there's not a seat for me here. And and he he said, maybe it's me. Does that make sense? Like, maybe there's right. something I'm doing. Wrong. Or I say, like, there's not a seat here. Um, So I'm just going to go build my own table. Mm. So, like, how does that happen? Like, we've had similar experiences and one person feels like shame and then one person feels like me being like angry enough then I'm just going to go start my does that make sense like yeah I'm wondering because there's got to be I know there's people listening that have that same experience Mm -hmm. not only with the church but just in general of like when something happens like this and in in also in a track record sense like again Mm -hmm. like the 12th time Mm -hmm. I finally did something what happens that some people Yep. Um, want and this because I think it would touch on Mike too. want yep, to isolate versus yep. come out of hiding what how yep. does that shift take place mm-hmm.
2: it's it to me it's the divergence that happens in the second container which is what does this story say about me okay mm. so for Bonnie for your containers what what does Mike's story say about you is there's not a link to I similarly understand that that Mm. struggle like you know like where Tim and Mike are almost like arm wrestling you know for the biggest sinner in the room like that (laughs) they also have
1: like a an empathy Mm -hmm. connection there yes got it yes
2: so that's risky and vulnerable to Mm -hmm. think like so there's a breath hold almost like oh god what does this say about me and what does this mean for me the third what does this mean for me in the context of the church so Mm -hmm. the divergence might be like if Mike's story is also about me or my own where my own Shortcomings line up. Now I'm almost mm. afraid of the outcome, and what does this mean for me in the greater context of the church? So, if you've ever felt like you've sat in that seat, I think there's a mm. greater weightiness. And instead of finding out, I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need you to reject me since I already sit in such a seat of rejection. Since I already sit in an internal sense of I'm bad, I totally don't need you to confirm that for me by telling mm-hmm. me how bad this is or how bad Mike is or how bad sin is because I know. Mm. Which yeah. is why I respect Vox community so much because it is this is a community that is trying to lean back in and we need mm. that desperately as human beings. We need it desperately, every single one of us, regardless of, this, of the chairs that we have sat in, whether we have been in a seat like Mike, we need desperately for people to lean in.
1: Mm. It's tough to... Um, it's um, a little easier to lean into my pain, like for me, when it is me. Um, but when you're connected with somebody, yeah. that it, that feels hard to lean, lean in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: That was a question yeah. actually that came up, right? This week was like, what... Mm.
2: If you're the person who is in need of someone to lean in t- towards, you know, I need someone to lean in towards me, or if you're the person who's trying to lean into somebody else, how do you do that? And how do you do that? Well, and mm. is, <laughs>
3: right?
1: it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, we, we live in a culture, um, right now, I think, especially in the church color, culture, but in general, like a culture where a lot of voices have been silenced. Yes. Over the past decades. So there's this big emergence. I'm just going to. It's nobody's fault, but I'm going to blame it on Brene Brown, <laughs> who I love. <laughs> Scapegoat. I love her. Mm-hmm. But she's empowered everybody to she be has. vulnerable. That's right. And mm-hmm. to own their story. Um, which I think is really good. At the same time, I feel safe on this podcast. I feel safe with you three. I don't share the same things with everybody. Sure. Because it's not all safe. Mm-hmm. Or at least it doesn't feel safe. Um, and so um, sometimes I think like in these moments and even when we're talking about, okay, what are we going to share with Mike? We always went, went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because I think there's a fine line between vulnerability and then just kind of like jumping off the cliff of transparency. Yes. Yes. Good. You know what I good. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> (laughs) look at me (laughs) (laughs) um but one thing i think and tim you can definitely uh back me up on this but i um we had emails come in from a bunch of other pastors Mm -hmm. that were like i could have said the exact same things you're saying um the difference is is i'm still in hiding and i don't know what to do um and i think you know, looping back to like this transparency and the broken system and stuff like we've built this system where pastors aren't allowed to struggle Mm -hmm. to grieve. They don't have anybody um, isolated, very much performance Mm -hmm. minded Mm -hmm. because you got to pay the building and keep the numbers and pay your salaries and all of those things. Um, But then on the flip side, like the desire would be like, I just want out. So I'm just going to like basically like be so transparent that like I'm just telling everybody everything. And I I don't think that either of those things does anybody favors. Like I'm interested in this middle way where nobody has to hide, but they can be transparent in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I, am I think that at least within the church, that's a lost art. Yes. You know, cause, uh, a lot of times, the people that are there to support and protect the pastor um, also control whether he has a job. True, mm-hmm. and catch twenty-two. That's difficult. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it the the stark difference that I noticed this week is so before last week's episode, right? Maybe this there's a marker on the sand here a little bit before last episode, and then post last episode is before. Uh, Mike was pastor and there's this spiritual sense. We put pastors on this pedestal of spiritual guide and person who knows things and is, is more superior than I am and, and better and maybe more holy, maybe closer to God. There's a bunch of things that go along with that place. And mm-hmm. then the response was what you're human. You're so human. You know, we're here to support you in your brokenness, blah, blah, blah. blah right. I'm like, uh-huh. So where was that before? Mm-hmm. Are, are, are pastors not allowed to be human? Why are we responding right. now to the human? Right. There's, I take issue with now that you have, in air quotes, we send, we whatever. I,
1: now we can acknowledge you're human. Mm. Right. And if maybe we could do it before, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. wouldn't cause mm-hmm. such pain mm-hmm. and isolation. Mm-hmm. I do think yeah. that this
2: is the third container issue. The church needs to create safe places of dialogue where these are already on the table. Because, listen, the the people are already experiencing the pain and and all the humanness. We live in humanness, right? Mm-hmm. If we could have the conversations before the humanness becomes bro- more broken behavior, then we're in we're participating at least with both the human and the right. spirit rather than. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only come in after the fact and help the person after mm-hmm. this has all taken place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so true. It's so true. And it's so crazy because if we are people that we put heavy, 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 if not all stock on the incarnation, mm. it's insane that we do not live it out.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. You now, know, I, I was talking to my wife about this, not this, but a different topic that seems to relate to this a little bit about um, people's parenting styles where everything is out of sight, out of mind. So it's like mm. uh, your child is not, you know, is not developing a drug habit until they're like foaming at the mouth on the floor in front of you. <laughs> right. But they'll kind of move forward <laughs> right. as if everything as if Fine. the boat is just cruising mm-hmm. really nice until everything falls apart and then they just lose their minds But as soon as it gets cleaned up, they kind of try to lock back into that like Mm -hmm. Homeostasis. The the steady boat again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and I see that in the church too, where it's like I think we talked about like that we really wanted to to say to because we did get those emails that were like, Mm -hmm. This is me, this could have been me word for word. I don't know how to struggle openly in in this position and stuff. And we wanted to tell pastors, like, you have the permission to do that, Mm -hmm. and you need to take that permission. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm and and feel okay and feel safe to be human. Like what a ridiculous thing to not be able to feel like you can be a human being, but also the congregation needs to kind of demand that or want that and be and, mm-hmm. de- and create that safe place for the pastor to do that. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that don't want to hear, and I, and I've seen these responses too. where it's like I, they don't want to hear or see the struggles. They don't yes. want to hear or see the pain. They need that they need that hero that comes in and, you know,
3: yeah, mm-hmm. from the
0: mountaintop and kind of gives this thing on Sunday morning. That they all go like, yes, like we're all good to go. Mm-hmm. And so like this conversation is such a large organic amoeba of like, yeah, all these moving parts that need to kind of all push forward and to try to build this safe environment together, mm-hmm. this mess of humanity together. That's pushing forward.
2: Yes. There's like, there- so many things jumped out when you were talking, to him. I love hearing the parallel to parenting, the church, the story we tell ourselves about pastors and then Jesus. Like it's, it's, it's such a parallel mm-hmm. to the gospels. And people are like, hero, now this, and we yeah. haven't stopped that chanting of what we're expecting from the role of pastor. And it's like, I kind of, I almost feel like it would be like, yeah, same, same, but different. So our heart desires a hero. Mm-hmm. May that point us towards Jesus rather than towards mm-hmm. that impossible mantle to sit on a pastor. Like we're we keep applying that to the wrong mm-hmm. person. The pastor is not God. The pastor is
1: not Jesus. That that is not that's not the right. point. <laughs> we we're missing yeah. it still. Yeah, we're missing it. And and I would also say like he's not even uh, closer to no, God that, or Jesus than anybody. I mean, that's made up. Yeah, right. is <laughs> made up.
2: Um, there's no measurement. This is my other favorite. This is my other favorite things. I'm like, it's not even like there's a some form of way to actually measure closest. Like that's not. There isn't like proximity. There isn't. It's there isn't. It's not real. That's not a thing. <laughs> right. Not a right. Thing. Right.
1: <laughs> We've made that up. Yeah. 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 I know, and I think you're right. I think we need to. um Set each other free, like mm-hmm. we need to set the pastors free mm-hmm. from feeling like we think this about them. Yeah.
0: That sounds like a hashtag, Just yeah. It happen. does set uh, the pastors free. free. Set the passers- <laughs> I, <laughs> I hear Bernie, Bernie
1: Sanders' now. voice for some reason, mm-hmm. totally, set the but, also free. The but also <laughs> set, the, set ourselves free yeah. from trying to figure out because at some level it's easier to feel closer to God if you have like this tangible, sure person yes. Hence who's Jesus telling you mm-hmm. what to do yeah exactly mm-hmm. and so set ourselves free from from needing that almost yep. does that yep. you know yep. i don't know yep there's also i also heard like the hot potato
2: um, thing come up again as well when you're talking about families where it's like everything's fine until it's not and if we could acknowledge that it's not and hold that rather than being like i don't know how to deal with this so i just won't and mm-hmm. yeah. instead of saying okay so if i don't then who does and um, mm-hmm. could we reach out to them? And so our kids aren't foaming at the mouth and so that our pastors aren't like killing themselves or, you know, ruining their families' lives. Um, mm-hmm. there's been an epidemic of pastoral suicide in this last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. It's, so this is the, the question that I have almost to the church, to this third container is, or to pastors directly, what is it costing you? What's it cost you to be a pastor? What is it? Is it costing you your family? Is it costing you your mental health? Is it co- what is it costing you? And is it worth it then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you need so we can help balance that? Because it's out of it's so out of whack. We we it's can't. Whack, yeah. We don't even know what to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think even in that, it's like to say that we don't need a martyr. Mm. Like don't mm-hmm. don't.
1: Ooh. I, I, yeah.
0: I do see that there's something in there where it's like that that suffering feels Gosh. like it is part of the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. job title or something mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's like no this is the this is the burden this is the yoke that i carry so it's real. Like, no man like like no don't no. be the martyr no yeah.
2: yeah 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 martyr points suffering points Yeah, yeah. And, yeah i yeah. got extra credit popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You know, I think with that, too, it's like when you're we're, when we're in a situation we don't know that we know isn't right. So then we just build other constructs around it to make it more right. Right. And we yeah. use scripture to, to on top of it. We'll like yeah. we're yeah. abusing and contorting what scripture says to support the fact that that pastors fill in the blank in order to support the narrative that I have to be here and suffer.
0: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and if um, if you can convince yourself that you're doing anything like for God or the church you can pretty much go for a while on that even if it's wrong
2: um, especially when it's wrong or we wouldn't need to create a story around it yes yeah, right. yeah. we're not creating stories around the things that we know are good right or, or otherwise it's just around the things why do we we need to defend protect
1: explain okay so okay I'm gonna go with that for a second back into my second container okay, because go. that just jogged my memory of something else that the three of us talked about mm-hmm around this story around the story that we've created yeah. as a as a evangelical church um that women are um seductresses okay. and um they can't be trusted in a room with a man mm-hmm. and um even though like it takes two to tango um <laughs> it's the woman's fault i mean it's i have heard my whole life like you have to be um you have to be pretty, um, but you can't be too pretty, hmm. you have to be smart, but you can't be too smart um make sure your dress is this long but not too long. make sure your shirt is up to here I mean, it's like you can't even like just put on your clothes and walk out the door. I mean, it's like all these thoughts in your head just to walk into church um and so what's interesting about that is we're talking about stories that are created, Tim, you brought up um the rule that is always there, Billy Graham rule. Yeah, the Graham um, rule. And I just want to hear, like, even just from a male standpoint, like your thoughts on that, though, because it, it feels like that um, we've made that rule and we've created a story like you're just saying, and then we set up a construct to validate that mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. But it just it doesn't seem to be working that story or the rule and so um I don't know I think we need to address that a bit
0: yeah absolutely I think it's very frustrating and I and my wife has helped me see um the errors in what that rule suggests and because we were talking about it in regards to the to Mike Pence our wonderful vice president who has adapted the Billy Graham rule and won't and won't meet with like uh any any females one-on-one and 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 how many things that that denies to a lot of women opportunities that denies just because he's like i can't because what if this happens blah 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 and to me it just feels like such like that when we were talking about sin management Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and and not dealing with so instead and this is even more so on that scale because it's like not only are you just trying to deal with something that you think you might struggle with, you're pl- you're like not even doing that. You're putting it on somebody else. So it's mm-hmm. like it's almost like the ultimate version of sin management. Rather than dealing, like if you have a problem where you think that you are gonna like have an affair if you're near a woman, well, that sounds like you need to like that might be something <laughs> that you need to work on. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's not the woman's fault. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's like not her fault. The definition of projection.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's yeah. but but instead of managing. Or instead of just like trying to pretend like you're managing your sin, you're even doing one step further where you're asking someone else to manage your sin. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. So yes. Yeah. It's like three times removed. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and it, and it puts women in a terrible. I mean, the, the yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. It, the male. Per, that's my male perspective. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a unique no, s-
0: perspective.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. And I'm really grateful for your voice there because I think sometimes it can be seen like, well, and we heard that in the, um. oh gosh, the, the guy that said that thing about Beth Moore. Oh, he did yeah. an episode on oh, it. Oh, John MacArthur. Yeah. Yes. And he said like, um, women just want power. Like you don't oh, see yeah. women that want to do, that want to be, and he said like mechanics and like all this stuff, like they just want power. <laughs> and um. Which was so funny because I we actually have a woman mechanic. So I'm like, I don't.
0: And I would love to know what his like. He must have had some little direct reference in his brain. Totally, too, right, right. Yeah, some, mechanics, he his car and yes, yeah, something yeah. happened <laughs> specific where he's like, oh my god, the women are trying to take over the car <laughs> the world. <shop.">
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but it, anyways, um, and so. Oh shoot, now I forgot where we were going. Sorry. I know, you're good, you're good. Um, but this idea of that like it denies women opportunity first of all. Um yeah. like you said, but I'm so grateful for you to acknowledge that cuz sometimes it can people that don't share maybe my perspective or our perspective might say like, "Oh, that person just wants um power or whatever it is." Not that that's been said to me. Um, <laughs> but um the but the other but this other idea of not only that, about opportunity, the message that it sends, like mm-hmm. as a woman, mm-hmm. the message that I received my whole life is that like, I should be sorry mm-hmm. for being a woman and I should apologize um, for the way I look or um, if I'm smart or any of those categories that I like out of the gate have to come into a room and apologize for my existence. mm
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: I just hear like an overt and an over overly sexualized way that we script females. So mm-hmm. if my only danger to this conversation is the fact that I'm female and that danger is specifically connected to sexual sin, then mm-hmm. the only time that we will be alone is if for is for sexual reasons. It's like everything. Like the is... The only dynamic that's we it, can have ever. It's just everything yeah. is sex. It's just sex. It's just sex. It's just sex. And it's like, what?
1: <laughs> what?
2: Yeah. So if you're on the receiving end of that message as a woman, then you hear that, again, I, my power is actually in my sexuality, in being right. sexual. So it's, it's right. a bizarre um, loop, feedback loop, that mm-hmm. what is put on the female is that they are sexually charged and have the sexual power and that it is actually bad. Mm -hmm. and that they need to be very careful how they're they're yielding that. And so if that's what you hear all the time, then it's like, okay, I'm only a sexual being rather than a sentient being or an intellectual being or a creative being or whatever, just a person here who wants to move chairs around. And I just had a question about where the chairs go in the room. Right. (laughs) Didn't didn't need you to put that on me, but thanks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, I want us to, I want to just change the narrative. You know, and it's yes. something as small as instead of saying, you can't be in the room alone with him because you might tempt him. Um, well, one, I want us to be adults. I just want us to be able to just be humans together that have, um, but I, I understand sometimes the idea and the need for um, being like, hey, I have to safeguard that. But if somebody feels the need to do that, mm. then to Tim's point, um, I want us to create an environment where we feel safe enough as human beings to say, I can't do this because I struggle with this. That's not on you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Boom. Yeah.
1: Yep. Clarity, responsibility, where it should be,
2: ownership, mm-hmm. and then like, yeah, it's objective. Also, it's not personal. It's not personal. This is my thing. That's it's not your out. thing. You don't have to carry that for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it loops us back around to this environment, though, that we've created that no one's human.
0: Ugh. Yeah, it's that, and it's also so you know, as we talked about during the Josh Harris stuff, the purity culture, purity culture, right? yeah, just w- and just the shame culture in general uh-huh. that we have developed over the last however many hundreds of years, and but especially in the last twenty or so, uh, where it's like, yeah, it's easier as a as a man in a position of power to say, oh no. I'm safeguarding my marriage. I'm safeguarding my purity by denying you access to this space rather than dealing with just how we just don't know how to talk about sex and we Mm -hmm. don't know how to talk about like intimacy and, and we don't know how to talk about struggles and Mm -hmm. how that has affected men and women in different ways. And then in collective ways and how much it's isolated us within something very powerful that we don't feel like we can talk about and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it was Gombus who was on here and just said like, America has such a unhealthy like infatuation with sex. Well, like obsessed. Yeah, we just yeah. don't. We're obsessed with it. And we don't know how to talk about it or deal with it. And the church right. is like the we're, that's the one. Pl- I mean, it's, it's almost the worst spot for it. It
2: is. It is yeah. because we add on spiritual failure, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It's it
0: becomes existential.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and possibly <laughs> eternal do you know exactly. right yep. and like the yeah, gravitas
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: nature of what we're condemning christians to
0: so heavy
1: yeah it's so heavy yes oh you know okay. okay so i we're products of purity culture my husband and i and um how'd that go for you i think <laughs> yeah and uh, um so there's been a lot of undoing of thought of things um but early on in our marriage finally i just said to him i just said listen like because i think we do a poor job of also like the difference between like sex as and then like sex and when you love someone like Mm that like i don't know there's like a weird thing there that people aren't tying those together all the time in the Mm -hmm. church they just talk about just sex and then like or love and that you i don't know like nobody told me for a long time that like that, you know, when you love each other, an expression of that is sex. Like, it was so separated for me.
3: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. And so, finally, one day in our marriage, I just said, like, at the beginning of our marriage, I said to Sai, I was like, listen. Like, I find it weird that you never tell me when you, th- like, see somebody who's pretty. <laughs> and he was like, well, why would I do that? And I was like, well, why wouldn't you? I was like, I think that you're a person... That celebrates beauty in life. Mm. And like I'm if you only thought that I was pretty, I was, I would think there'd be something wrong. <laughs> because you're like a human that's walking around on the earth that sees beautiful things. And I'm like, and frankly, when you tell me like, oh, so-and-so is pretty, then I'm confirmed that you think I'm pretty and that you have good taste in me. Like, like it like actually helps my thinking. And so at the very beginning of our marriage, we had this conversation of like, Hey, let's be people that were allowed to say, gosh, that was a beautiful person. Or did you see that person looks nice or whatever it was and be able to say that to each other because then it never comes taboo and also we're acknowledging that something's aesthetically beautiful but that doesn't take the place of me loving you like mm-hmm. in this very intimate way mm-hmm. and um I remember telling friends that and they were so weirded out by it but I think that it has actually helped us in so many ways to be free to free. express and never to feel shame just because you see something that you appreciate like god's beauty in someone or something else yep um but be able to um like and in some way then always like turn it back it, it does it makes the love connection i guess even more so if that makes sense because you have you're able to identify the difference so i don't know it was just like a just jog my memory of something that we had to do to like get out of purity culture safely even <laughs> even to a minute degree right where it's like we're yeah trying to be free like we're just, we just want to be in freedom Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Okay.
2: We're in a whole other world than where we were starting, so do we want to pick (laughs) up on um, (laughs) triggers, um, responses, ways forward? Like, what are other necessary pieces of this conversation? Because clearly, I'm like, we could just sit here for the rest of the day and
1: talk everything through. Okay, okay. I do want to hit one trigger, um, because I think it's super important. When you said, um, for people who have we talked about someone who like sees Mike's story. Um, but what if you're on the receiving end? What if um, you're somebody that's been hurt mm-hmm. by, like, so whoever Mike has hurt, what comes up for you in your second container is that, that those same things have hurt you. Um, so like something might be a trigger in that sense. Um, yes. what, what happens then? Um, what would you suggest for a way forward Um, Because if it produces anxiety, uh, what to do with that? Um, I don't, I don't have any good advice for people. That's why I go to therapy is for anxiety. (laughs) So, so you're again at least fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Are
2: you saying that there's the for the person who has been on
1: their partner has whatever, maybe had um, an emotional connection with somebody as well. Okay. Um, I did get a few emails saying that like this has happened to me and I'm hearing this made me feel like it might happen again I got like a handful of those or um, emails saying if this can happen to Mike yeah 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 yeah, yeah. then for sure it's gonna happen to my husband
2: right or whatever like both of those this is like what's interesting though is I think the reframe on that is I would say yes that is possible in your marriage, that is possible in my marriage, that is possible in marriage, that actually allows us to be human when we say, hey, that is possible that that could happen again. To say that it's not is to be in illusion. Mm. To the way that love requires reality, the reality is we are capable and culpable And if we are in blindness, if we are not looking at the reality for potential pain, potential abandonment, potential repetition of pattern, then we are Mm. not in real love. We are in a kind of a fear-based fusion delusion. I'm being super straightforward, Mm. which is I will only hold my partner's potential for good rather than that my partner's potential for both. So we're holding the capacity that my husband has the ability to both love me wildly into my true Mm. self and also injure me the most because he is the person who's most intimate and vulnerable with me. Mm. That's, there's actually a greater expanse and awareness of my appreciation for the fragility of that relationship rather than it can only be good and only be in this one narrow Mm. tube or tunnel space. If that increases anxiety, then let's go with it. We don't deny it. Put it back on the table. What am I anxious? What am I actually anxious about? Mm. Am I, what, and again, what does this have to do with my husband? What does this have to do with what I believe about myself? And what does it have to do with the way society talks about men, women, um, and love and sex
1: and beauty and all that jazz. So the same container Mm -hmm. framework. It is. It's
2: the same construct because there's what has happened, what Mm. that's bringing up in me and what that has Mm. to do with everything else in the bigger story we're all a part of. Okay. Mm. Mm hmm. So for that woman, I'm afraid because it's happened. And what that brings up in my own story is desirability, is rejection. And that might, if I trace it back, goes even back to my childhood win, right? Mm -hmm. And then the bigger story of I'm afraid that I'm going to be the woman who's left and that my husband's going to go with a younger woman is what we see in society. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And if I blend all those, it's so big and I'm so afraid, I'm now paralyzed. I'm stuck, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm either going to go back into hiding because I say I can't hold it because it's too big. But if I separate those out, uh, then I'm able to address each one in the the more bite-sized realistic chunks that I can actually deal with. Society Mm. has issues. I need to work on my own, how I and what I believe about myself as a woman, in my own beauty, in my own body, as it directly pertains to my husband. And you know what? My husband's story is not me. My husband's story is not a direct reflection of me. It's his Stuff mm-hmm. like Mike's is not about Justina, right? That's doesn't that feel so clear when you see it on someone else's story? Like, of course, it's not about that, right? But then but all this, yes, knowledge. we personalize the poop out of it, <laughs> just like <laughs> it's because this, yeah. it's because me, it's because that. It's like, all right, that's self obsession, yeah.
0: And I wonder how everything you just said, if we would, if we uh, t- um took the husband and wife out and put the church congregant and the pastor mm. yes. in, into the same position, how much of that just is a, the exact same story? Beautiful. And,
2: yeah, It's not about me. Mm. Yeah. It's not because of me. Uh, and ultimately what I believe So, in, as a therapist, I'm like, it's also not because of Mike. Like, This is, when I listen and when I hear what's happening, I hear a system of Mike's life where he was kind of like set in motion to turn in a specific way, like a top, you think about spinning a top and the way that that's spinning Mm -hmm. and things just come into that orbit and continue to spin out. And this was set in motion so many years ago where I'm bad, something happens. I hide. Um, public loves me. Therefore I want to continue to go where I feel that love. Privately, I feel that shame spin out, that shame spin out, that shame spin out. So therefore, I have to keep them separate. And the more separate they are, the harder it is for me to know which one's real, what's real, who am I, Mm. Yeah. right? God, there's just this massive Chinese wall. And eventually, it's like, at the beginning, it's so subtle. And then it's so big. And that's why what we're watching right now is the crumble. Mm -hmm. It's just all coming down. And it's so damn painful because when you've been hiding for a long time, it hurts Mm -hmm. so, so much. Mm-hmm. It's, mm. but it's. This is the other thing I I thought, is like I thought, Mike in this brokenness is so free, right now, mm-hmm. the most free, because there's nothing left to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can he stay, open and free? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and can we, like when you said he's more free than any of us. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm holding on to things that Mm -hmm. have come up out of this. This is it, Bonnie, right? Yeah. So then
2: the invitation to you is what and to whom needs to be shared and then why? Like, Mm -hmm. right? We we don't want to create a reverberation of let me tell you everything then. But what is this, right? Because that's, there's the difference between just being reckless Okay. We're not looking mm-hmm. for reckless transparency that creates injury in community, but that I might say, when I think about Mike's clear, clean place of freedom, if I were to walk up and meet that clean, clear mirror, what mm-hmm. would I need to move out of the way so that I could live and reflect back that same clarity? What am I holding? What do I need to share? What do I need to gain awareness of? What do I want to say?
1: Mm, that's good. It's such a good takeaway. Mm. I think that's such a beautiful place to end um, yeah. because it causes so much reflection and question and um, brings us all in this together. We are in right? this together. Instead of Mike being on this page yeah. out there yeah. and we're here, we're right. like we can start now yes. changing that narrative of, us we all hold responsibility us yeah. we're all in this together we are all human yeah mm-hmm. and here we are
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. i think that's a wonderful a wonderful thing and, and just to echo what we said earlier to just invite um this community to live in that openness and live in that kind of messiness and honesty and truth together mm-hmm. you know that we want to we want to grant that permission I don't. Th- we're not under any delusions that you know. Bonnie and I are not under any delusions that we are, um, that we understand all this and that we have all this together. So right. That's and actually be- why
1: we booked Elise to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so please,
0: please know that we're not coming in here with a savior mm-hmm. complex. We're mostly just coming in here with with uh, an open door, I guess, and yeah. Just, yeah. And.
2: and- it's important that this conversation, like the Russian dolls, is not, this isn't a one stop shop. It's not like, okay, yeah. let's just close that up, button it up, check that off. It's like, hey, this is an yeah. ongoing conversation. If we are going forever. to be the church for each other forever, then this is an open table and that's always on it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime. These are the
0: tools that I want to give to my kids to carry on to their kids. Like this is kind of humanity as we bounce mm-hmm. around. And that's
2: right. Yeah.
0: Try yeah. to figure it all out.
2: Yeah it's okay. And it's not bad. (laughs) We can't keep polarizing people or behavior with, with judgment like that. Yeah. Uh, Amen. Yeah. So healing for the Vox community and greater truth, greater awareness, and actually a greater intimacy that comes when we look at things with eyes that are wide open. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Gosh, thank you so much, Elise
0: yeah thank you you are such a gift
1: and it's like it's been um like i'm so grateful like tim and i could just like sit and rant all day Um,
3: (laughs) (laughs) for you to bring
1: like clarity Mm, and resource um and things to do places to put yes these emotions and these thoughts um to bring us back around like Mm -hmm. gosh what a gift
2: yes thank you yeah making
0: that room to breathe and um yeah, because I, I you said the top thing with Mike, and I was like, well, that's how I feel too. Just, yeah. <laughs> just spinning until the till the motion stops, and you just kind of fall right, over.
2: Right. Well, the truth is, yeah. we are all spinning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, yes, Elise, thank you. You're and, welcome, guys. Um, and I hope Elise- that-
1: Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, Elise, um, <laughs> you can find her stuff. She has her own podcast, Trailer Cast, that she talks about um, a lot of these things and interviews people, and it's really, really good. Elisesnipes.com and RadicalWellness.co. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also we are discussing, we're going to try to put together a list of maybe- Yeah, uh, resources. Yeah. Yeah, yeah resources, resources.
2: for ongoing conversation around who needs support, around what specific mm-hmm. issues and therapists you can trust and or spiritual directors. Um, not yeah. everything is is for therapy some things truly are like let's take that to spiritual direction and some things yeah. are for therapy and we just want to make sure we know which goes in which room
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bonnie thank you for remembering that we yeah. really want to make a resource something that i don't know we're we're i've it's it feels like we're kind of like isolated in this little like non-existent place that exists <laughs> on the internet mm. even though we're all in different places right now but uh, that's the, That is the one weird thing about this community is that we don't. Ha- we're not all sitting in the same little uh, zip code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do mm-hmm. want to create resources. That's a conversation we've had a few times. So if you know if you are somebody with those resources in your area, um, and you have you know or vetted, you're a trusted, therapist yourself, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah
2: like, reach out. Mm-hmm. Reach
0: out. You can email it hello at voxpodcast dot com or tim at voxpodcast dot com, and we'll try to get that stuff together. Um, everybody that emailed in for micro communities, I'm still working on that, so I just say thank you for your mm-hmm. patience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, and if that is that, is there anything else before we we sign off? I mean, off?
1: someone has to do the blessing, but I got I can't it right rem- here. Oh, you are the I best. Right I can't here. remember yeah. it for the life of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is, is like I, I just came from a church in, in, in Pasadena that we would, because I led worship there, so we would sing all these blessings. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, Tim. Tim, Tim no, 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 do no, it, No, because I have the words here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, every time that Mike was doing it, and he'd ask one of us to do it. I was like, I can only remember it if I'm <laughs> thinking singing? of it in... Melody, yeah. and so but now I have I, I looked it up so I can have just the words to say. Awesome. So I think one of the cool things too in that church, and it was a little Presbyterian church, but often when we would offer a blessing, we would try to say like, you know let's let's open up your hands, close your eyes, and kind of accept that blessing. Mm-hmm. So unless you're driving your car right now, which I know is where a lot of you uh, listen to this so don't yeah. close your eyes and take your hands off the wheel when we say Jesus take Jesus, the wheel that's not it's not literal so <laughs> please don't do that but if you are in a place to kind of just sit and hear and listen and let these words kind of just fall over you may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and in these days may he give you peace thank you Vox we love you guys
1: see you next week